The Productive Woman, Episode 318. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to talk about some habits that can help keep us healthy enough to do the things we need and want to do. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 318. So one key to being productive, both in the sense of getting things done and in the sense of making a life that matters, is being healthy enough physically, mentally, and emotionally to do the things we want and need to do. Many of us live with illnesses or physical conditions that affect our health, and as we age, our condition changes. So I'm not suggesting that only the most physically fit and healthy can be truly productive. But regardless of our age or our circumstances, I think we can agree that in order to maximize our health and our productivity, we need to do what we can to be as healthy as we can be, given our age, our physical circumstances, and all that sort of thing. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I turned 60 in May, which still is sort of unfathomable to me. I don't feel that age in my head. But in any event, I want to remain as healthy and productive as possible as I get older. So I've been researching steps I can take and habits that I can institute or maintain to do that, to be healthy and as strong as I'm capable of being given the the body I have and the age I am so that I can be productive in all the senses that I mean that. So we're going to talk about some habits that we can institute in our lives, that we can maintain in our lives to help us be healthy enough to be productive in the way that we want to be. And remember, we've talked about habits before in a number of episodes because they are, I think, really key to a a productive life. So you can check out, for instance, episode 216 for habits that help. Episode 226, we talked about habits to consider for the coming year. Episode 114, as part of our Mindset Matters series, we talked about productive habits. And way back in episode 82, we talked about developing healthy habits with a guest, Bridget Danner. So you can check out those episodes for more thoughts on how habits work, how we develop them, that sort of thing. Uh, You can also check out James Clear's excellent book, Atomic Habits, which we discussed in episode 230, for help in purposefully developing habits that serve you. So I highly recommend that book if you haven't read it already, or if you have read it, maybe to go back and revisit it as I plan to do. We've talked about habits a lot about how important they are in developing a meaningfully productive life, about how we can create habits that serve us. But 
as a short summary or reminder, basically a habit is something you do regularly. It's defined in one dictionary as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. As we've talked about in the past, habits become a part of who we are. When we do something regularly enough that it becomes a habit, we do it almost without conscious thought. And that is true whether it's a a good habit in the sense of being something that serves us or what we might call a bad habit that is a a habit that doesn't serve us, that doesn't uh, have good results for us. The great thing about habits either way is that they eliminate the friction of decision-making. It's easier to do anything that we habitually do whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And so it's important to be intentional about the habits we develop. And that's, uh, again, why I like James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, uh, because it helps uh, us understand how to purposefully and intentionally develop habits that serve us well. So, That being said, and I do uh, recommend to you to check out those previous episodes in that book if you want more thoughts on, you know, developing the kinds of habits that uh, serve us in, in all areas of our lives. But in thinking and researching this issue of healthy habits, I came up with a short list of key habits that can help promote health and thereby help uh, promote productivity. And I will you know, issue the caveat that probably none of these are new to you. They certainly weren't new to me. We know these things, but I think we can always benefit from being reminded to think about our habits and especially those habits that can contribute to a strong, healthy body and mind. And I thought this was a good time to talk about this because as I mentioned in a recent episode, We are, of course, as I'm recording this, just into the last quarter of this year, and I think spending some time in the next few weeks intentionally developing, cultivating, and and practicing those healthy habits, getting those established in in our daily routines, can reap productivity benefits in the coming year. So I think it's a good time to get started. A lot of times uh, we, you know, we make New Year's resolutions and start good habits in the beginning of the year, but why not start now and have those habits already developed and ingrained in us so that we start the new year strong and healthy. So here are some of the things that I came up with. Uh, I listed them just kind of in the order that I thought of them. I don't think anyone is more or less important than the others. This is, as I said, just the order that they I, I came up with them as I sat down to think about it. So number one, drink plenty of water. And I would say probably more than you think you need. Water matters. It is a principal component, makes up 50 to 70% of our body weight. We depend as human beings on water to survive. We can go much longer without food than we can without water. Every part of our body Uh, uses water to work properly. There's a great article uh, from the Mayo Clinic that talks about this, and I will put a link to this in the show notes if you want to check it out. That article reminds us that water uh, gets rid of wastes from our body uh, through perspiration and so on. It keeps our temperature normal. It 
lubricates and cushions our joints and protects our our tissues. Lack of water can lead to dehydration and even mild dehydration, according to this Mayo Clinic article, can drain our energy and make us feel tired. We lose a certain amount of water every day through bodily functions, and so we have to replenish that water supply in order to uh, to function properly. According to the Mayo Clinic, the U.S., and, and I'm talking about this article that I mentioned, the U.S. National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine determined that a man needs approximately 15.5 cups or 3.7 liters of fluids each day, and women need approximately 11.5 cups or 2.7 liters of fluids each day. That includes fluids from water, foods, other beverages, and so on. But you know, we need to drink plenty of water. Most of us don't get enough. And so I encourage you to think about that and and pay attention to that. Some of the habits that I use to promote getting enough water, uh, I have developed a habit of having a very large glass of water with the juice of half a lemon first thing in the morning. So one of the first things I do in the morning, I get up, I put on my workout gear, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I get my, um, take my thyroid medication, and then I pour myself a large glass of water and I squeeze a half a lemon into it. And I drink that, you know, first thing in the morning, not all at once, because I use a large glass, it's probably about 25 ounces. And so I drink that over the course of the morning, usually have it with me at the treadmill while I'm working out. So that's one habit. I've just made that part of my routine. I have the lemons ready to go and uh, get that started first thing. So I start out my day kind of with a big dose of water, which is good because you, you know, you sort of go however long you sleep without having taken any water in. And it's good to replenish that first thing in the morning. Another habit I've developed there is I use the WaterMinder app on my Apple Watch to track how much water I'm taking in and remind me to drink it. Um, A doctor that I saw for an issue with my throat recommended that for me, I should be drinking about 90 ounces of water a day, in addition to whatever else I'm getting through food and that sort of thing. And so that's what I have the WaterMinders app set on my Apple Watch. And it uh, each time I drink some water, I enter it in. I just, a couple of taps do that. And it lets me know when I've reached that 90 ounce goal that the doctor has recommended for me. And then a third habit I have to help make sure I get enough water is I have a subscription to a certain type of fruit infused water. It's called Hint. I like the taste of it. It, It's bottled water, uh, and it just comes to my house once a month or so. Uh, I have a a certain amount that comes each month, and so I always have that water available. I try to remember to grab a bottle of it every time I get in the car to go somewhere, and of course, I drink it throughout the day. Now, you know, we could have a conversation about bottled water and the use of plastics, and I'm looking at other alternatives to get this kind of of water that comes in that I can drink. Our tap water doesn't taste really good. And so this is a way to encourage me to drink more of it. And it's been a helpful habit for me. 
So that's number one, drink plenty of water, uh, more probably than you think you need as a, a key habit to help us feel stronger and healthier and therefore be able to be more productive. The second one that I listed here is exercise. You know, again, we know all these things, but this is a great reminder for us all. It matters because physical activity affects all aspects of our health. Studies show, and I'll link to several articles to reinforce this, but in summary, studies show that physical activity, regular physical activity improves our mood. It affects the parts of the brain that regulate stress and anxiety. It can help with weight loss by increasing our metabolic rate, the rate at which our bodies burn calories. It strengthens our bones and muscles and boosts our energy. It can improve brain function, including memory and thinking skills, and can improve our sleep. And these are just a few of the known benefits of exercise, of getting some sort of physical activity. And uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, again, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommends the following for most healthy adults. And I'm quoting from an article uh, that the Mayo Clinic put out about the seven benefits of regular physical activity. And here's what they, they say the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommends. At least 150 minutes a week of moderate aerobic activity or 75 minutes a week of vigorous aerobic activity or a combination of moderate and vigorous activity. Uh, the article goes on to say that the guidelines, the DHHS guidelines, recommend or suggest that you spread this exercise throughout the week. So 150 minutes a week. It's early in the morning as I'm recording, so forgive me if my math is right, but I think that would be like 30 minutes a day for five days. That would give you 30, 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity in a week. So the guidelines suggest that we spread this out over the week, and they offer examples such as running, walking, or swimming. And they say even small amounts of physical activity are helpful, and accumulated activity throughout the day adds up to provide health benefits. Strength training exercises for all major muscle groups at least two times a week including such examples as lifting free weights, using weight machines, or doing body weight training. So that's basically what they're suggesting. 150 minutes a week of moderate aerobic activity or 75 minutes a week of vigorous aerobic activity or a combination of the two, plus strength training at least twice a week. That's the optimum that they're recommending for most healthy adults. And so for me, I try to do at least 30 minutes almost every day of the week of walking. And I mostly do this on a treadmill. And I, you know, I started out, I've talked about this before, that when I resumed exercise, I started out at a relatively slow pace and gradually have been increasing both the pace and the incline of the treadmill to get more of a workout. So my habits to promote this, um, these are the ways that I, or the habits that I've put in place to help make sure that I'm getting enough activity, enough exercise. I try to work out first thing every day. It gets my day off to a good start. It always kind of gets my heart pumping and gets me, it really, I do notice a difference on the days that I don't do it first thing in the morning. 
Um, and the main reason I try to do it first thing is because I'm more likely to do it then. And the longer I wait throughout the day, the more likely it is that I'm going to end up just skipping it because I get busy. I have things going on. I just lose my motivation. So for me, the, the, you know, the continuation of the routine I mentioned earlier, I get up in the morning, I put my workout clothes on first thing. That's another habit. I grab my big glass of lemon water and I go upstairs to the treadmill and, um, try to get my, my sweat time in first thing. Uh, another habit or, or something I've done to help promote regular physical activity is I have a treadmill at home. And I mentioned this earlier about some of the productivity tools that are are in in an earlier episode about some of the productivity tools that are helping me. And this is one of them. Having that treadmill means I have no excuse not to work out. Um, I can't say, well, the gym's too far or the gym's closed because of COVID or it's too hot to go outside or, or it's raining or whatever. I have no excuse because it's literally right up the stairs and it's a, a, a good tool that helps me out. I also, I guess you can call this as a habit. I have a TV in front of the treadmill so I can watch YouTube videos or an interesting TV series, series that I look forward to watching and save only for when I'm on the treadmill. Uh, I do this because I, I'm going to confess, I don't enjoy working out most days. I don't like to sweat. I don't like to breathe hard. Um, I, I just don't like to work that hard physically, uh, but I like how I feel after I've done it. And so I'll use whatever means necessary to keep myself on that machine and keep going. And for me that it helps to have that TV there to sort of distract my attention a little bit uh, and give me something interesting to watch while I work out. Uh, another habit that I have that helps promote regular physical activity is I use the activity monitor on my Apple Watch. Now, if you haven't seen an Apple Watch, uh, one of the features it has is this activity monitor. The activity monitor has three concentric rings, one of which tracks your movement throughout the day, one of it tracks how much time you spend standing up and moving around. And the third one tracks exercise. And I am very motivated to get those rings to close each day. And so I pay attention to it on and off throughout the day, make note of if I'm standing up enough, if I'm moving around enough, and if I get that 30 minutes of exercise in to close those rings. So it's, again, a little mind trick to keep me going. Other things that may help you in making sure that you get enough uh, physical activity, enough exercise each day, maybe to hire a trainer to keep you motivated. I've done that in the past specifically to help me learn how to do weight training, which again is recommended particularly for women. There's a point beyond which, you know, you can do aerobic activity, running, walking, those sorts of things to get strong and fit. And it's good for your heart and all those sorts of things. And if you're trying to lose weight, but there's a point beyond which that won't help as much. And you need to uh, work your muscles and strengthen those muscles. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to use the machine 
machines or use weights, do the weight training. So hiring a trainer for a period of time to help you learn how to do that can really keep you motivated. Uh, You might also find a workout buddy. If you want to go out for walks or go running or play tennis or whatever it is that you want to do, having an appointment with a friend to go do that uh, can keep you motivated and keep you going. And you can do that, you know, and still do social distancing if, as you're listening to this, that is still a requirement. And finally, I would definitely say find some sort of activity you enjoy. There's not a particular exercise you have to do in order to be strong and healthy and fit. And if you really, really don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. And so if you don't like running, don't run. If you enjoy playing tennis, that can be a great workout. So play tennis or go swimming or join a, a team that plays a team sport, soccer or you know, whatever. Or if you like bicycling, do that. But find something you enjoy and make a habit out of doing it regularly. Number three on the list of healthy habits that can help promote more productivity. This third one that I thought of is sleep. It matters because our bodies and our minds recharge through sleeping. And when we don't get enough sleep, our health our weight and our mindset all can suffer. It's very important to get enough rest. And uh, according to a a poll conducted by the Sleep Foundation, 43% of Americans rarely obtain a good night's sleep on the weeknights. And I thought that was interesting. I'll admit I'm probably one of them. I have difficulties with sleeping. The amount of sleep that's recommended varies by age, but the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention here in the United States recommends that for adults between the ages of 18 and 60 years old, uh, they recommend seven or more hours per night. If you are between 61 and 64, they recommend seven to nine hours. And for folks who are 65 years and older, they recommend seven to eight hours. So for all those categories, it looks like seven hours a night is kind of the minimum to shoot for. And again, this varies by age. It varies by, you know, person, but we all probably need more sleep than we're getting. I know this is something that I personally struggle with. Often I have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. I'll wake up in the night. And so I am on a mission to improve this because it is so important uh, to our health and our productivity. So some of the things that I have found that I'm working on, that I'm trying Uh, consulting experts and that sort of thing. And I have links in the show notes for some articles that give great suggestions from experts on ways to improve your sleep. Uh, And so some of the things they, they recommend is to have consistent bedtime and wake time. So a consistent time you go to bed at night and get up in the morning, even on the weekend. And, you know, maybe you'll sleep in a a little bit in the weekend, but everything I've ever read says that, you know, if you're sleeping in several hours later on the weekend, it's going to make it more difficult for you to get adequate sleep during the week. And so all the recommendations are to kind of generally go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time each day. They also recommend sleeping in cooler temperatures. 
So their, uh, their recommendation for an optimal ambient temperature in the room you sleep in is 65 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 18 degrees Celsius. I, I smiled when I read that because I thought my husband will never go for that. He's uh, I I actually like to sleep in a cool room. Uh, you know, I'd have a window open when it's cold outside if I could get away with it. I don't think Mike would go for that. But my preference is to sleep in a colder room. I can breathe better if the air temperature is colder and I just like to snuggle in under warm blankets. But everything I've ever read about improving your quality of sleep recommends sleeping in a room that's cooler. They also recommend limiting exposure to artificial light in the evenings because it can interfere with your body's production of melatonin, which is the hormone that signals your body to prepare for sleep. So that means turning off screens, um, you know, just limiting that artificial light that messes with your melatonin production. Uh, the recommendation also is to avoid large meals, caffeine, and alcohol before bedtime. This comes from the CDC's website. All those things interfere with your body's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, of course, exercise during the day can help improve your sleep, especially if you can get out and you know get your heart rate up and, and breathe some fresh air, all those kinds of things. Any kind of habitual active movement during the day will contribute to a better night's sleep. You can develop a relaxing nighttime routine to get your mind and body in the right space to sleep well. And that's something that I've been trying to work on. And what that nighttime routine might be for you may be different, whatever helps you relax. So maybe that includes a relaxing bath, a cup of soothing herbal tea with no caffeine in it, uh, candlelight, soft music, some really comfortable and pretty pajamas or nightgown, uh, reading a, a novel that's not like, you know, a spy novel or, or a horror novel or something, but something that whatever routine helps you kind of start to relax and let the stresses of the day go will contribute to you falling asleep faster and staying asleep and sleeping better. And so those are things that I'm trying to think about uh, in my quest to get more sleep at night. And all the experts recommend creating a restful environment in your bedroom. So using restful colors, prioritizing having a very good mattress and pillow, and they say, try to use that room only for sleep and rest and other bedroom appropriate activities. Avoid specifically everyone, all the experts recommend that we avoid watching TV, surfing social media or working in our bedrooms, particularly at night. So going to bed with your, um, with your, you know, your iPhone and so uh, surfing social media or laying in bed at night, watching TV while we think that that might help us relax and wind down all the studies show otherwise. And so they recommend against those things. So those are some habits we can consider cultivating to help us get more sleep and the benefits that that brings to our health and thereby to our productivity. Fourth habit for productive living is in the category of eating right. 
It matters because our bodies need fuel. When we are so busy that we skip meals or we rely on junk food or highly processed foods, we are denying our bodies, including our brains, the fuel they need to get through our days. And we are also perhaps contributing to illness or unhealthy conditions that affect both the quality of our life in general and specifically our our productivity. And my wake-up call on this issue of eating right came this past spring at my annual physical when the doctor informed me that my cholesterol levels had hit very unhealthy levels. I was very surprised by this. I shouldn't have been given kind of what's been going on, but, uh, and you know, I'm a stress eater. I'll just confess that when I am worried, anxious, or sad, I will eat and not necessarily the, the most healthy foods. And with all that's been going on in the world, I, I, I have succumbed to that this year. And so when I went in for my physical this past spring and uh, the doctor told me about my lab results, that really, like I said, it was a wake-up call for me. And I made some changes. So one of those changes was to start thinking more carefully about what I eat. I think each of us needs to consult her doctor, perhaps a registered dietitian to advise you on the best kind of diet for you, given your age, your general health, and all those sorts of things. But there are certain things you can do to make sure that you're fueling your body, including your brain, uh, properly uh, to maintain health and uh, be more productive. So among the habits that I have to help promote better eating is uh, we habitually, each time we go to the grocery store, buy various fresh fruits and vegetables. And I make a point of preparing them ahead of time to make it as easy to grab those things as it would be to grab a handful of chips or some cookies. So some of my favorites are things like grapes, strawberries, blueberries, watermelon when you can get good ones, mango, carrots, and things like that, and salad fixings. When we come home from the grocery store, I try to wash all those things right away, store them in covered glass containers in the refrigerator. I, you know, with the strawberries, I'll take out the holes, I'll quarter them, uh, put them in a glass container, I'll cube the wa- uh, the entire watermelon, all of it, and put all of that in different bowls in the refrigerator so it's all ready to go when I'm ready for a meal or a snack it's very easy to grab those things. So spending a little bit of time when you bring these things home to get them prepared ahead of time is is an important habit, at least for me, in order to make sure that I choose those things as my snacks instead of um, the other things that I might gravitate toward. Another habit I have to promote uh, healthier eating is that when I get ready to eat and I'm filling my plate either at home or you know, if I'm say at a buffet or something, I always try to start by filling at least half my plate with vegetables, whatever the vegetables are that are being served or that are available, whether it's a salad 
or other kinds of vegetables, at least half the plate is covered with that. And then the other half of the plate or whatever's left is divided between the protein, the, you know, the meat, the chicken, the whatever the meat is for that meal and the starch. So potatoes or rice or pasta. And then when I sit down to eat, I try to eat the vegetables first so that I'm getting those nutrients and maybe a little less hungry when I start in on the meat and potatoes. For me, that helps me to eat in a more healthy way, a more balanced way. I'm getting more of the the vegetables that I need by doing those things. Another thing you can try if time is tight uh, is some of those healthy meal delivery services. Sometimes we end up eating, you know, just fast food or something like that. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't ever do that. But most of the time we want to be making healthier choices with what we eat. And if it comes to be dinner time and it's been a, a full day and, and you're tired or just don't feel like you have enough time to cook a full meal, some of these healthy meal delivery services like Blue Apron or some of the others can be really helpful. They deliver the food kind of all pre-measured and ready to go. And you, all of them have healthy, whether it's vegetarian or other kinds of options that you can choose from. We've been trying HelloFresh for the past, just the past few weeks or so. And it really makes it easier to get the meal pulled together. I don't have to go gather the ingredients and measure them out. It's all right there with step-by-step instructions. And I, I should say this episode is not sponsored by any of these. So I'm just sharing these as resources that I found helpful that you might f- find useful as well. So I, I'm enjoying HelloFresh. I've, it's also meant that we've tried some things that I might not have tried otherwise uh, because they have different things on the menu than I would think of cooking. So anyway, having, uh, using whatever resources you can to make sure that you develop that habit of healthy eating will go a long way to preserving your health and helping you to be more productive. And on a, a kind of a, the next one on the list is kind of related to this. And that for me is a healthy habit is uh, regularly taking vitamins uh, vitamin supplements. Now we can get most nutrients we need from a good diet, but honestly, most of us don't eat complete or completely healthy diets. So we often can have an insufficient intake of key nutrients we need. If you should be taking any vitamin supplements or what you should be taking, this is a question you definitely should talk to your doctor about. Because as I was researching this, there are questions out there about the effectiveness of, for instance, taking a daily multivitamin. So whether you should take vitamins and if so, which ones is something you should discuss with your doctor. In my case, my doctor has noted in my labs a deficiency in vitamin D and a couple of other things. So she specifically recommended that I take a daily vitamin D supplement. Uh, In addition, uh, the CDC's guidelines recommend that women of reproductive age get 400 micrograms of folic acid daily because it's, there are studies out there that have shown uh, a deficiency in folic acid can have an impact on the unborn baby's development. So that's a recommendation from the CDC. Some doctors also see benefits of appropriate amounts of iron supplements for women of childbearing age. 
in in any case, talk with your doctor about this. Um, educate yourself on whether it's important for you to take any sort of supplements. If there's any deficiencies in your diet, sometimes supplements can make a difference. Dr. Larry Apple or Appel, he's a medical doctor and director of the Johns Hopkins Welch Center for Prevention, Epidemiology, and Clinical Research, has reminded us that pills are not a shortcut. I'm quoting him here. Pills are not a shortcut to better health and the prevention of chronic diseases. Other nutrition recommendations have much stronger evidence of benefits, eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, and reducing the amount of saturated fat, trans fat, sodium, and sugar you eat. So this is from an article called, Is There Really Any Benefit to Multivitamins? And I will post uh, the link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. But so I'm not suggesting vitamins as a substitute for a healthy diet, but if you and your doctor think it's a good idea, it can be a habit that can help you with your health. Since my doctor has recommended certain vitamins for me, my habits to promote this, to make sure I do this is I use a a weekly pill dispenser. I bought it at Walmart for a couple of dollars. It has a small compartment for each day of the week. And every Sunday evening, I put the vitamins that I'm supposed to be taking in each compartment for each day. So they're all ready to go. And I have set a reminder on my Apple watch using the do app uh, to ping me and remind me to take my vitamins. It's, you know, it's, that's how I developed the habit is having something to remind me regularly to do it each evening. And that has helped me a lot. Number six on the list of healthy habits for productive living is uh, regular checkups. This matters because being aware of your body's condition is an important first step to protecting your health. A doctor's exam and the labs that they do during your physical checkups can give you important information, even identifying warning signs of potential issues early on so you can deal with them quickly before things deteriorate uh, to require more active intervention. And so for me, it's important to get these checkups regularly. It's part of maintaining your health at whatever age you are at to get these regular medical checkups. And so I have a few habits that help me make sure that I do this. First one is that I schedule my medical, dental, and vision checkups every year for during my birthday month. And I call usually in January. It's a routine that I have that I call my doctor, my dentist, and my uh, my eye doctor in January to get them on the calendar for my birthday month, which is May. And another habit that can be helpful, and this is something that I've done for a number of years, is keep a note in your planner if you use a paper planner or in a digital resource like Evernote, Apple Notes, Microsoft OneNote, wherever you keep track of things, keep a note in there of questions for your doctor. And so in between appointments, if you experience some some symptom or something happens that raises a question, or you're wondering about something related to your health, make a note of it in that note, and then take that list with you to your checkup. So you have it with you. And when the doctor says, so 
what's going on with you? Or do you have any questions? You've got them right here. Because if you're like me, if I don't do that, um, when she asks me, so any questions about your health, anything going on I should know about? I can't think of a thing. Uh, And so it's been very useful for me to have that running list that I keep in, I keep mine in Evernote uh, so that I have it with me when I sit down with Dr. Jamal to, um, to go over things at my annual physical. So those are a couple of habits that help me with um, that regular checkups component of my, my health process. And the, the uh, last one that I thought of for uh, the last habit, healthy habit for productive living, is kind of a combination of things. It's quiet, silence, meditation, and breathing. These things all matter to our health and our productivity. The constant noise that we are often surrounded with interferes with our ability to think, to concentrate, to remember, and it can have, according to the resources I looked at, uh, physical impacts. It can raise our blood pressure. It can do all sorts of things that affect our health. And so what we can do to help be healthier uh, is to develop a habit of intentional times of quiet and perhaps a meditation practice. Meditation is has been compared to a workout for your brain. Uh, one article I read said meditation is proven in study after study to help you deal better with stress and improve the fluidity of your mind, meaning you have a more adaptable brain. Those things contribute to our productivity. If we're, our thinking is clearer, if our thinking is calmer, we are able to be more creative, to problem solve better, and just generally be more productive. And so when I'm talking about meditation, I'm not really talking about, you know, sitting and chanting. This is not a religious practice. I, I'm using the term meditation to kind of encompass simply sitting quietly, uh, being very aware of your body and your breathing and your surroundings and concentrating. Uh, Often the practice starts with simply being quiet, eyes closed, focusing on your breathing and being very intentional about all those things. I don't have any real, you know, complex meditation practice, but simply sitting quietly, focusing on your breathing for a few minutes, relaxing your body, those sorts of things can have a huge impact on your mindset and your health. Even without meditation, Silence alone has health benefits. It gives our ears a break. It gives us time to think, which improves our self-awareness and creativity. And as I mentioned kind of in passing, um, sitting in silence can help lower our blood pressure and boost our immune system. There are articles talking about the studies that have shown this. I'll link to some of them in the show notes. Clinical health psychologist, Dr. Amy Sullivan has been quoted as saying, learning to sit in stillness and self-reflect is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves and our kids. 
When we look internally and delve deeper into our value system and wants and needs, we can communicate at a deeper level and we have to foster that ability. So it is, I think, so important to our health and to our productivity to intentionally build into our days times of quiet, times of silence and reminders to breathe deeply. Because when we are tense and stressed and busy and going and going, we tend to breathe very shallowly. And that doesn't circulate oxygen in the way that our bodies need. So if we can develop this habit of building into our days a few times each day, and I'm not talking about an hour, I'm talking about 60 seconds here and there to sit quietly, relax our bodies, breathe deeply and be in silence just for brief periods of time can make a huge difference. So some of the habits that can help promote that are remembering to start small, just find moments of your life to incorporate quiet, such as having your morning coffee without your phone, the TV, or a newspaper, just sitting there being present in the quiet and, and sipping your coffee or going for a walk or a run with no device and no headphones, just listening to the sounds around you. This is especially helpful if you're out in the country or if you can go to a park or something where it's quiet and all you're going to hear is the sounds of nature. Another way you can build in some quiet is when you drive. Uh, A lot of us just reflexively, we get in the car, we turn the ignition, and then we turn on the radio and listen to music or a podcast or something. Well, sometimes maybe turn all that off and just be quiet with your thoughts as you drive. Something to think about as a way to build in moments of quiet. Definitely consider turning off the alerts on your phone, your computer, and your other devices. They add noise with little value. So those are some small ways we can build in times of quiet. Similarly with meditation, if that's something of interest to you, start small, just three to five minutes to begin with, maybe work up to 10 minutes. And if you don't know how to do it, what I found really helpful is to use a guided meditation app. I like the Headspace app. You know, you can choose from different guided meditations that kind of focus on different things and you set the time amount of time you want to to do this. It can be really helpful to use an app like that to kind of get the hang of it, so to speak. But the idea is just being quiet and very present with where you are. And there are podcasts out there also that their sole purpose is to provide guided meditation. So that's another resource. Set reminders to yourself to Uh, at various times throughout the day, pause for just a moment or two, just, you know, 30, 60 seconds, pause, whatever you're doing, turn off the noise, close your eyes, breathe deeply and sort of center yourself before you go back into the rest of your day. And you can set reminders on your phone on, you know, if you've got a smartwatch, do it there. And just, you know, maybe once mid morning, once mid afternoon, That's all we're talking about here. And finally, if you spend a lot of time in a noisy environment, say when you're traveling on a plane or if you work in a a noisy open concept office, try noise canceling headphones that can cut some of that noise, allow you to think and concentrate better, all of which will contribute to your mental and physical health and 
help you to be more productive. So I guess the point here is to maximize our productivity, both in the sense of getting the things done that we want and need to do, and in the sense of just generally making a meaningfully productive life, a life that matters as we define it. In order to do those things, it's important to develop habits that serve us, that keep us as healthy, as fit, and as strong physically, mentally, and emotionally as possible. I've mostly focused on physical health in this one. Uh, Maybe in a future episode, I'll talk about some of the the, uh, healthy habits for uh, our mental and emotional well-being, Uh, more of those like the silence and meditation. But we want to be as healthy, as fit, and as strong as possible in order to be productive. If you need ideas or motivation to improve your own healthy habits, be sure to check out some of the articles I have linked to in the show notes. There are some great resources there to get you started. And so those are some of my thoughts. What do you think? What healthy habits have you developed that the rest of us should consider? I would love it if you'd share those. Or what is one healthy habit you'd like to develop? Let's talk about that. You can share your thoughts on this or your questions in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 318. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are a woman who listens to this podcast and you haven't yet joined us in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, I'd love to see you there. And that would be a really good place to continue this conversation, to give each other ideas and encouragement to uh, cultivate these healthy habits that can help us all. The Productive Woman Community Facebook group is a private group. Anybody can find it on Facebook, but only those of us who are in the group can um, can see who's in the group or see what we post about. So there's a, a level of privacy there in the conversations, and it's a great place to connect with other like-minded women. I, I understand that men listen to the podcast as well, but the Productive Woman Community Facebook group is only for women who listen to the podcast, and it's a place for us to continue to connect, continue these conversations, support, encourage, and motivate each other. And so I'd love it if you'd join us there. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. All right, that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman, a little longer than I intended it to be. I thank you for sticking with me and uh, for spending the time with me to talk about these things. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile and you found something in it that is helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.